section twelve of early greek philosophy and other essays by frederick nietzsche this librivox recording is in the public domain section twelve philosophy during the tragic age of the greeks part six seventeen what had to be done with that chaotic pell-mell of the primal state previous to all motion so that out of it without any increase of new substances and forces the existing world might originate with its regular stellar orbits with its regulated forms of seasons and days with its manifold beauty and order in short so that out of the chaos might come a cosmos this can be only the effect of motion and of a definite and well-organized motion this motion itself is the means of the noose its goal would be the perfect segregation of the homogeneous a goal up to the present not yet attained because the disorder and the mixture in the beginning was infinite this goal is to be striven after only by an enormous process not to be realized suddenly by a mythological stroke of the wand if ever at an infinitely distant point of time it is achieved that everything homogeneous is brought together and the primal existences undivided are encamped side by side in beautiful order and every particle has found its comrades and its home and the great peace comes about after the great division and splitting up of the substances and there will be no longer anything that is divided and split up then the noose will again return into its automobilism and no longer itself divided roam through the world sometimes in larger sometimes in smaller masses as plant mind or animal mind and no longer will it take up its new dwelling-place in other matter meanwhile the task has not been completed but the kind of motion which the noose has thought out in order to solve the task shows a marvellous suitableness for by this motion the task is further solved in each new moment for this motion has the character of concentrically progressive circular motion it began at some one point of the chaotic mixture in the form of a little gyration and in ever larger paths this circular movement traverses all existing being jerking forth everywhere the homogeneous to the homogeneous at first this revolution brings everything dense to the dense everything rare to the rare and likewise all that is dark bright moist dry to their kind above these general groups or classifications there are again two still more comprehensive namely ether that is to say everything that is warm bright rare and air that is to say everything that is dark cold heavy firm through the segregation of the ethereal masses from the aerial there is formed as the most immediate effect of that epicycle whose centre moves along in the circumference of ever greater circles a something as in an eddy made in standing water heavy compounds are led towards the middle and compressed just in the same way that travelling water-spout in chaos forms itself on the outer side out of the ethereal rare bright constituents on the inner side out of the cloudy heavy moist constituents then in the course of this process out of that aerial mass conglomerating in its interior water is separated 
and again out of the water the earthy element and then out of the earthy element under the effect of the awful cold are separated the stones again at some juncture masses of stone through the momentum of the rotation are torn away sideways from the earth and thrown into the realm of the hot light ether there in the latter's fiery element they are made to glow and carried along in the ethereal rotation they irradiate light and as sun and stars illuminate and warm the earth in herself dark and cold the whole conception is of a wonderful daring and simplicity and has nothing of that clumsy and anthropomorphical teleology which has been frequently connected with the name of anaxagoras that conception has its greatness just in this that it derives the whole cosmos of becoming out of the moved circle whereas parmenides contemplated the true existent as a resting dead ball once that circle is put into motion and caused to roll by the noose then all the order law and beauty of the world is the natural consequence of that first impetus how very much one wrongs anaxagoras if one reproaches him for the wise abstention from teleology which shows itself in this conception and talks scornfully of his noose as of a deus ex machina rather on account of the elimination of mythological and theistic miracle-working and anthropomorphic ends and utilities anaxagoras might have made use of proud words similar to those which kant used in his natural history of the heavens for it is indeed a sublime thought to retrace that grandeur of the cosmos and the marvellous arrangement of the orbits of the stars to retrace all that in all forms to a simple purely mechanical motion and as it were to a moved mathematical figure and therefore not to reduce all that to purposes and intervening hands of a machine god but only to a kind of oscillation which having once begun is in its progress necessary and definite and effects result which resemble the wisest computation of sagacity and extremely well thought out fitness without being anything of the sort i enjoy the pleasure says kant of seeing how a well-ordered whole produces itself without the assistance of arbitrary fabrications under the impulse of fixed laws of motion a well-ordered whole which looks so similar to that world system which is ours that i cannot abstain from considering it to be the same it seems to me that one might say here in a certain sense without presumption give me matter and i will build a world out of it eighteen suppose now that for once we allow that primal mixture as rightly concluded some considerations especially from mechanics seem to oppose the grand plan of the world edifice for even though the mind at a point causes a circular movement its continuation is only conceivable with great difficulty especially since it is to be infinite and gradually to make all existing masses rotate as a matter of course one would assume that the pressure of all the remaining matter would have crushed out this small circular movement when it had scarcely begun that this does not happen presupposes on the part of the stimulating noose that the latter began to work suddenly with awful force or at any rate so quickly that we must call the motion a whirl such a whirl as democritus himself imagined and since this whirl 
must be infinitely strong in order not to be checked through the whole world of the infinite weighing heavily upon it it will be infinitely quick for strength can manifest itself originally only in speed on the contrary the broader the concentric rings are the slower will be this motion if once the motion could reach the end of the infinitely extended world then this motion would have already infinitely little speed of rotation vice versa if we conceive of the motion as infinitely great that is infinitely quick at the moment of the very first beginning of motion then the original circle must have been infinitely small we get therefore as the beginning a particle rotated round itself a particle with an infinitely small material content this however would not at all explain the further motion one might imagine even all particles of the primal mass to rotate round themselves and yet the whole mass would remain unmoved and unseparated if however that material particle of infinite smallness caught and swung by the noose was not turned round itself but described a circle somewhat larger than a point this would cause it to knock against other material particles to move them on to hurl them to make them rebound and thus gradually to stir up a great and spreading tumult within which as the next result that separation of the aerial masses from the ethereal had to take place just as the commencement of the motion itself is an arbitrary act of the noose arbitrary also is the manner of this commencement in so far as the first motion circumscribes a circle of which the radius is chosen somewhat larger than a point nineteen here of course one might ask what fancy had at that time so suddenly occurred to the noose to knock against some chance material particle out of that number of particles and to turn it around in whirling dance and why that did not occur to it earlier whereupon anaxagoras would answer the noose has the privilege of arbitrary action it may begin at any chance time it depends on itself whereas everything else is determined from outside it has no duty and no end which it might be compelled to pursue if it did once begin with that motion and set itself an end this after all was only the answer is difficult heraclitus would say play that seems always to have been the last solution or answer hovering on the lips of the greek the anaxagorean mind is an artist and in truth the most powerful genius of mechanics and architecture creating with the simplest means the most magnificent forms and tracts and as it were a mobile architecture but always out of that irrational arbitrariness which lies in the soul of the artist it is as though anaxagoras was pointing at phidias and in face of the immense work of art the cosmos was calling out to us as he would do in front of the parthenon the becoming is no moral but only an artistic phenomenon aristotle relates that to the question what made life worth living anaxagoras had answered contemplating the heavens and the total order of the cosmos he treated physical things so devotionally and with that same mysterious awe which we feel when standing in front of an antique temple his doctrine became a species of free thinking religious exercise protecting itself through the odi profanum vulgus et archaeo and choosing its adherents with precaution out of the highest 
and noblest society of athens in the exclusive community of the athenian anaxagoreans the mythology of the people was allowed only as a symbolic language all myths all gods all heroes were considered here only as hieroglyphics of the interpretation of nature and even the homeric epic was said to be the canonic song of the sway of the noose and the struggles and laws of nature here and there a note from this society of sublime freethinkers penetrated to the people and especially euripides the great and at all times daring euripides ever thinking of something new dared to let many things become known by means of the tragic mask many things which pierced like an arrow through the senses of the masses and from which the latter freed themselves only by means of ludicrous caricatures and ridiculous reinterpretations the greatest of all anaxagoreans however is pericles the mightiest and worthiest man of the world and plato bears witness that the philosophy of anaxagoras alone had given that sublime flight to the genius of pericles when as a public orator he stood before his people in the beautiful rigidity and immobility of a marble olympian and now calm wrapped in his mantle with unruffled drapery without any change of facial expression without smile with a voice the strong tone of which remained ever the same and when he now spoke in an absolutely undemosthenic but merely periclean fashion when he thundered struck with lightnings annihilated and redeemed then he was the epitome of the anaxagorean cosmos the image of the noose who has built for itself the most beautiful and dignified receptacle then pericles was as it were the visible human incarnation of the building moving eliminating ordering reviewing artistically undetermined force of the mind anaxagoras himself said man was the most rational being or he must necessarily shelter the noose within himself in greater fullness than all other beings because he had such admirable organs as his hands anaxagoras concluded therefore that that noose according to the extent to which it made itself master of a material body was always forming for itself out of this material the tools corresponding to its degree of power consequently the noose made the most beautiful and appropriate tools when it was appearing in his greatest fullness and as the most wondrous and appropriate action of the noose was that circular primal motion since at that time the mind was still together undivided in itself thus to the listening anaxagoras the effect of the periclean speech often appeared perhaps as a simile of that circular primal motion for here too he perceived a whirl of thoughts moving itself at first with awful force but in an orderly manner which in concentric circles gradually caught and carried away the nearest and farthest and which when it reached its end had reshaped organizing and segregating the whole nation to the later philosophers of antiquity the way in which anaxagoras made use of his noose for the interpretation of the world was strange indeed scarcely pardonable to them it seemed as though he had found a grand tool but had not well understood it and they tried to retrieve what the finder had neglected they therefore did not recognize what meaning the abstention of anaxagoras inspired by the purest spirit of the method of natural science had and that this abstention first of all in every case puts to itself the question what is the cause of something causa efficiens and not what is the purpose of something causa banalis the noose has not been dragged in by anaxagoras for the purpose of answering the special question what is the cause of motion and what causes regular motions plato however reproaches him 
that he ought to have but had not shown that everything was in its own fashion and its own place the most beautiful the best and the most appropriate but this anaxagoras would not have dared to assert in any individual case to him the existing world was not even the most conceivably perfect world for he saw everything originate out of everything and he found the segregation of the substances through the noose complete and done with neither at the end of the filled space of the world nor in the individual beings for his understanding it was sufficient that he had found a motion which by simple continued action could create the visible order out of a chaos mixed through and through and he took good care not to put the question as to the why of the motion as to the rational purpose of motion for if the noose had to fulfil by means of motion a purpose innate in the noumenal essence then it was no longer in its free will to commence the motion at any chance time in so far as the noose is eternal it had also to be determined eternally by this purpose and then no point of time could have been allowed to exist in which motion was still lacking indeed it would have been logically forbidden to assume a starting point for motion whereby again the conception of original chaos the basis of the whole anaxagorean interpretation of the world would likewise have become logically impossible in order to escape such difficulties which teleology creates anaxagoras had always to emphasize and asseverate that the mind has free will all its actions including that of the primal motion were actions of the free will whereas on the contrary after that primeval moment the whole remaining world was shaping itself in a strictly determined and more precisely mechanically determined form that absolutely free will however can be conceived only as purposeless somewhat after the fashion of children's play or the artist's bent for play it is an error to ascribe to anaxagoras the common confusion of the teleologist who marvelling at the extraordinary appropriateness at the agreement of the parts with the whole especially in the realm of the organic assumes that that which exists for the intellect had also come into existence through intellect and that that which man brings about only under the guidance of the idea of purpose must have been brought about by nature through reflection and ideas of purpose schopenhauer the world as will and idea volume two second book chapter twenty six on teleology conceived in the manner of anaxagoras however the order and appropriateness of things on the contrary is nothing but the immediate result of a blind mechanical motion and only in order to cause this motion in order to get for once out of the dead rest of the chaos anaxagoras assumed the free-willed noose who depends only on itself he appreciated in the noose just the very quality of being a thing of chance a chance agent therefore of being able to act unconditioned undetermined guided neither by causes nor by purposes notes for a continuation early part of eighteen seventy three that this total conception of the anaxagorean doctrine must be right is proved most clearly by the way in which the successors of anaxagoras the agrigentine empedocles and the atomic teacher democritus in their counter-systems actually criticized and improved that doctrine the method of this critique is more than anything a continued renunciation in that spirit of natural science mentioned above the law of economy applied to the interpretation of nature that hypothesis which explains the existing world with the smallest expenditure of assumptions and means is to have preference for in such a hypothesis is to be found the least amount of arbitrariness and in it free play with possibilities is prohibited should there be two hypotheses which both explain the world then a strict test must be applied as to which of the two better satisfies 
that demand of economy he who can manage this explanation with the simpler and more known forces especially the mechanical ones he who deduces the existing edifice of the world out of the smallest possible number of forces will always be preferred to him who allows the more complicated and less known forces and these moreover in greater number to carry on a world-creating play so then we see empedocles endeavouring to remove the superfluity of hypotheses from the doctrine of anaxagoras the first hypothesis which falls as unnecessary is that of the anaxagorean noose for its assumption is much too complex to explain anything so simple as motion after all it is only necessary to explain the two kinds of motion the motion of a body towards another and the motion away from another two if our present becoming is a segregating although not a complete one then empedocles asks what prevents complete segregation evidently a force works against it that is a latent motion of attraction further in order to explain that chaos a force must already have been at work a movement is necessary to bring about this complicated entanglement therefore periodical preponderance of the one and the other force is certain they are opposites the force of attraction is still at work for otherwise there would be no things at all everything would be segregated this is the actual fact two kinds of motion the noose does not explain them on the contrary love and hatred indeed we certainly see that these move as well as that the noose moves now the conception of the primal state undergoes a change it is the most blessed with anaxagoras it was the chaos before the architectural work the heap of stones as it were upon the building site three empedocles had conceived the thought of a tangential force originated by revolution and working against gravity de cello one page two eighty four schopenhauer w a w two three ninety he considered the continuation of the circular movement according to anaxagoras impossible it would result in a world that is the contrary of ordered motion if the particles were infinitely mixed pell-mell then one would be able to break asunder the bodies without any exertion of power they would not cohere or hold together they would be as dust the forces which press the atoms against one another and which give stability to the mass empedocles calls love it is a molecular force a constitutive force of the bodies four against anaxagoras one the chaos already presupposes motion two nothing prevented the complete segregation three our bodies would be dust forms how can motion exist if there are not counter motions in all bodies for an ordered permanent circular motion impossible only a whirl he assumes the whirl itself to be an effect of the nikos aporoii the effluences of malevolent spirits how do distant things operate on one another sun upon earth if everything were still in a world that would be impossible therefore at least two moving powers which must be inherent in things five why infinite onta beings transgression of experience anaxagoras meant the chemical atoms empedocles tried the assumption of four kinds of chemical atoms he took the aggregate states to be essential and heat to be coordinated therefore the aggregate states through repulsion and attraction matter in four forms six the periodical principle is necessary seven with the living beings empedocles will also deal still on the same principle here also he denies purposiveness his greatest deed with anaxagoras a dualism five the symbolism of sexual love here as in the platonic fable the longing after oneness shows itself and here likewise is shown that once a greater unity already existed 
were this greater unity established then this would again strive after a still greater one the conviction of the unity of everything living guarantees that once there was an immense living something of which we are pieces that is probably the spheros itself he is the most blessed deity everything was connected only through love therefore in the highest degree appropriate love has been torn to pieces and splintered by hatred love has been divided into her elements and killed bereft of life in the world no living individuals originate eventually everything is segregated and now our period begins he opposes the anaxagorean primal mixture by a primal discord love blind as she is with furious haste again throws the elements one against another endeavouring to see whether she can bring them back to life again or not here and there she is successful it continues a presentiment originates in the living beings that they are to strive after still higher unions than home and the primal state eros it is a terrible crime to kill life for thereby one works back to the primal discord some day everything will be again one single life the most blissful state the pythagorean orphean doctrine reinterpreted in the manner of natural science empedocles consciously masters both means of expression therefore he is the first rhetor political aims the double nature the agonal and the loving the compassionate attempt of the hellenic total reform all in organic manner has originated out of organic it is dead organic matter corpse and man six democritus the greatest possible simplification of the hypotheses one there is motion therefore vacuum therefore a non-existent thinking is motion two if there is a non-existent it must be indivisible that is absolutely filled division is only explicable in case of empty spaces and pores the non-existent alone is an absolutely porous thing three the secondary qualities of matter namo laws or customs not of matter in itself for establishment of the primary qualities of the atomo indivisible particles wherein homogeneous wherein heterogeneous five the aggregate states of empedocles four elements presuppose only the homogeneous atoms they themselves cannot therefore be onto beings six motion is connected indissolubly with the atoms the effect of gravity epicurious critique what does gravity signify in an infinite vacuum seven thinking is the motion of the fire atoms soul life perceptions of the senses value of materialism and its embarrassment plato and democritus the hermit-like homeless noble searcher for truth democritus and the pythagoreans together find the basis of natural sciences what are the causes which have interrupted a flourishing science of experimental physics in antiquity after democritus seven anaxagoras has taken from heraclitus the idea that in every becoming and in every being the opposites are together he felt strongly the contradiction that a body has many qualities and he pulverized it in the belief that he had now dissolved it into its true qualities plato first heraclitean later sceptic everything even thinking is in a state of flux brought through socrates to the permanence of the good the beautiful these assumed as entitative all generic ideals partake of the idea of the good the beautiful and they too are therefore entitative being as the soul partakes of the idea of life the idea is formless through pythagoras metempsychosis has been answered the question how we can know anything about the ideas plato's end scepticism in parmenides refutation of ideology eight conclusion greek thought during the tragic age is pessimistic or artistically optimistic their judgment about life implies more the one flight from the becoming oughts unity oughts artistic play deep distrust of reality nobody assumes a good god who has made everything optimate pythagoreans religious sect anaximander empedocles 
together eliates anaxagoras heraclitus together democritus the world without moral and aesthetic meaning pessimism of chance if one placed a tragedy before all these the three former would see it in it the mirror of the fatality of existence parmenides a transitory appearance heraclitus and anaxagoras an artistic edifice an image of the world laws democritus the result of machines with socrates optimism begins an optimism no longer artistic with teleology and faith in the good god faith in the enlightened good man dissolution of the instincts socrates breaks with the hitherto prevailing knowledge and culture he intends returning to the old citizen virtue and to the state plato dissociates himself from the state when he observes that the state has become identical with the new culture the socratic scepticism is a weapon against the hitherto prevailing culture and knowledge end of section twelve